Welcome to the Live Long, Lead Well broadcast. I'm Dr. Mark Jones, and today we're going to talk about understanding the devices of the enemy that are aimed against your mind. Stay tuned for today's broadcast. Second Corinthians two eleven Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. There's something very powerful about this scripture if we really pay attention to what it communicates to our position above the principalities and the powers that come against our mind. You know, first of all, the scripture is telling us plainly that Satan is always at work trying to gain some kind of leverage or gain some kind of advantage against the heart and the mind of the believer. But notice the second part of the verse is very telltale. It says, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And what this tells me is that the only way that he's able to gain that leverage or get that advantage is if the believer is ignorant of how he works. So today, we're going to talk about understanding the devices of the enemy that are aimed against your mind. You know, there are many times that Satan will work against you in order to incubate your own overthrow. I'm going to say that again. Satan will work against you in order to give birth, to incubate your own overthrow. Now, it's important that we understand that your imagination was not created by Satan, nor was it created for Satan. Colossians is very clear when it says that all things were created by God and all things were created for God, which means our imagination is supposed to be a platform for the divine to be revealed, to be reflected, and then to be made manifest. Now, remember this. Imagination in and of itself is not evil. What is the determinant factor is what information is creating your imagination? And more importantly, who is the source of that, imagine, that imagination and that information? So it's very important that you're able to discern what information is framing your imagination and who or what is the source of that information. Remember this, imagination is a mental faculty created by God for the human to be able to conceptualize invisible things, hold them, that is, incubate them, and then manifest them. Now, I want to give you an illustration of this. If you look at Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, we get a very vivid picture of how God intended the imagination to work 
in order to cultivate divine agendas. It says in Genesis 15, verses 1 through 5, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? See, and I go childless. And the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Now I want you to notice the picture of verse 5 because it's really powerful and is meant to set Abram's imagination on God's divine will. It says he brought him forth abroad, that is outside, and said, look now toward heaven and tell or count the stars. If thou art able to number them, and he said unto them, so shall thy seed be. Now, believer, this is a powerful, powerful picture of Abram's future that is painted by his creator. So I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to ask you a question. Is the picture that you hold of your future created by your creator or created by the one who comes to steal, kill, and to destroy I want you to think about that. Is the picture of your future the revelation of your creator's plans for your future? Or do you have a picture that was framed from some other source of information? So what this shows us in this text is that we need to understand that God already has a picture of a future that he has purposed for our lives. You know, a companion thought to that is Jeremiah 29, 11. He said, I know the plans I have for you, plans of good and not of evil. And it goes on to say to an expected end. There's something that God has in mind for your future that God has already taken a picture of. And then he plants it in our understanding in through information and that information is supposed to birth an imagination that can incubate and accommodate the divine agenda. So notice the process is that, first of all, your future must be a picture that you hold in your mind. It's got to be retained in your heart and your mind. Now, that picture begins to frame your behavior, how you act, how you operate, what you act upon. That's the intention, is that it has to frame behavior. You know, there's a scripture that says, faith without works is dead. So even if we have a revelation, there has to be corresponding and complementing behavior that matches that revelation in order to accommodate the final step, and that is manifestation. So I want to give you some keys here to understanding the devices that the enemy uses against your mind. First of all, Satan uses images to plant seed in order to direct behavior 
in order to forge outcomes. I'm going to say that again. Satan uses images to plant seed, to direct behavior, to forge outcomes. Now, it's very important that you understand that so that you're not ignorant of his devices. You know, for example, uh, Satan may come to your mind and say, you know, look, everyone has someone in their life except you. And the goal is to create desperation in order to allow anyone to come into your life. Or he may say everyone has more stuff, more physical accomplishment, material possessions than me. And the, that, the goal would be to drive behavior in a way to compromise in order to compensate for a perceived deficiency between what you have and what other people have. So again, it's all about a warfare of images. Images are seed. Seed directs behavior. Behavior forges outcomes. So I want to give you a, a key here on the cycle of manifesting things. You see, when you understand the cycle of how certain things in the kingdom work, then you're less inclined to become anxious or impulsive or to compromise in order to try to manifest things prematurely or in inappropriate ways. So now the cycle of manifesting things goes like this. Every cycle starts with a seed. In other words, you have to plant something with potential in it somewhere suitable for the process. I'm going to say that again. Every cycle starts with seed. Planting something with potential in it. Somewhere suitable to process it. Now, the second aspect of the cycle of manifesting things is time. There must be an increment of existence that is required to affirm that you are not in control of the process. You see that? Time. Increment of existence. This is not about how many hours, how many minutes, how many days, how many months. This is all about learning to trust the God of the process and to and to develop yourself in patient. Patient assurance. Now the third aspect of manifesting things is harvest. And that is the actual manifestation of what it is that you expected. Seed, time, and harvest. But notice the critical thing on the part of yourself is to be, is to be a good steward of your imagination. You see, if you don't become a good steward of your imagination, you will be mastered and manipulated by what you imagine. You know, there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, that says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, in order to come to a place where you can understand the devices of the enemy and, and be intelligent when he's trying to plant one of them, in the form of a thought, 
You have to ask yourself these questions and ask of your thoughts these questions. Where is this thought leading me? Because remember, thoughts are governors of behavior. Every thought is intended to bring about certain action. The second thing you must consider is, is this thought worthy of my meditation? Meditation and incubation are the same thing. Thirdly, you have to ask the thought, do I want what this thought produces? And that's very important to follow the thought to its trajectory or to its fulfilled intent. And ask yourself, do I really want to cultivate what this thought produces? Now, if I don't, then I have to vocally reject it, vocally eject it, and vocally destroy it. I have to see it as an attack upon my imagination. Now, I want to show you what we're like. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 5, for God knows that in the day thou eat from it, thou, the eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Notice that's the thought that Satan tried to plant in, uh, in Eve's heart. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, notice the truth. Then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all wild animals, and over all creatures that move along on the earth. Now, I said that one of the things the enemy does is continues to cause these attacks upon our imagination. Notice Genesis 1.26 declares plainly that we were made in the image of God. Notice Genesis 3.5, Satan begins to manipulate Eve's imagination by suggesting that she's not in the image of God. In other words, the temptation was to cause her to think that she was lacking something that in actuality she already possessed. And that's part of the warfare of the enemy against the mind. That's part of his strategy. I'm going to give you these last three keys. When it comes to your imagination, it must be protected by proper focuses. And I'm going to ask you in your own time to read Philippians chapter 4, and it's entirely, particularly around verse 8, and, and really, really focus on how to protect your imagination through proper focuses. Now, secondly, your imagination must be set on things of highest value in order to serve the greatest good of yourself. I'm going to say that again. In order for your imagination to serve your greatest good, it has to be set on things of highest value. Now, lastly, in order to protect your imagination, it must be starved of all unbelief. You know, Satan is a lord of fear, doubt, and unbelief. And if we're going to understand the devices of the enemy and undermine his efforts to bring us out of a position 
to manifest the things that the Father has purposed, we have to be wise and discerning of his encroachment upon our imaginations. Now listen, I know that this has been a lot of information in a very short time. But if we're going to wage war effectively, we have to do so from the soundness of mind. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, I want to remind you that if you want to get Dr. Mark Jones to be a part of your next event, give us a call at 888-538-3577. You can also check me out on Facebook at Mark Jones, or you can listen to one of our broadcasts on YouTube at Manifestations Worldwide. Until we get together for our next episode, may you live long and lead well.